Hello, just quickly before we jump into these prologue episodes, I apologise that this is going to be at the beginning of each one, but it's only there just for those that might need a little bit of world lore. We normally would be playing games in the Forgotten Realms and the Sword Coast, but we've decided for Campaign 2, um, I won't say anything about any of them going forward, but uh, we're going to be playing everything completely homebrew. So this world that we'll be playing in is known as Cordelia, and it's one that I've been writing over the last few years. Um, just to give you a brief idea of what Cordelia is, um, you can go over to our website 16candlekeeps.com and find the Cordelia page and it'll have a much more detailed breakdown of this on there as well as a map so you can see like the layout of at least Bower Heath, the main continent that we'll be using in this campaign for the moment. But the idea essentially is, once upon a time, long, long ago, there was an original party of adventurers known as the World Splitters. They essentially helped the gods to chain up Tharazdun, as Tharazdun was causing a lot of nightmares. And if you want to learn more about Tharazdun's history, by all means go off and Google that. But that is the, 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 the pinnacle of where Cordelia was created as a plane of existence as the leader of the world splitters was killed in that fight um, his reward was essentially ascension to uh, deity uh, status and therefore they decided that he would have his own plane of existence to be a deity of shortly after that his uh, like his wife and his children became gods in the world and you can read a lot more as i say on our website there explain like the, a bit more about the pantheon of the world you can also read about a little more detailed about the history and the war that essentially was the beginning of cordelia um the 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 world is also a lot more fluid than the realms that you may have heard games in. A lot of my DMing style is to accommodate the player's wants and kind of ideas in the world. So if there is a, a, a want for something uh, like, a, I don't know, a, an underground adventure, there will be an underground part that may not currently exist in the world and will be added onto the world as well. The joy of this is that the concept in world lore of this at the moment is it's in its fledgling years. The game's going to be set 60 years after the 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 creation of the plane itself. So they're, they're still trying to find their legs as a civilization and as a plane. But more of that later in the actual campaign itself. You'll hear more of that um, as we learn the world as well. Because I'll be writing the world a lot more across the... Uh, across the campaign as as they come to parts that may not be fully fleshed out at the moment. That's it. Um, you'll be hearing, as you'll know, um, after this, the prologues for the main characters that will be playing in campaign 2, and then hopefully you uh, join us later on in September where we'll be doing the, uh, the campaign 2 big, open, and more madness to follow. But yeah, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode.
Hello. Welcome back to 16 Chemicals. Um, for you, if everything that past Steve has done and past Liam has done <laughs> has gone to plan, you've had a lovely four weeks of, uh, of, of uh, distraction whilst we've been away. Uh, <laughs> hi. Hi. Um, Emma, you may not know. Um, I'm sure I told you all. But currently, the plan is, now that Icewind Dale is over... Um, to give us time to get to this, yes. uh, we were going to be putting out our evil campaign stuff we've been doing yes. on Twitch. So um, if that didn't go out, <laughs> sorry, dear viewer or dear listener, um, <laughs> if <laughs> just had four weeks in London. you had four weeks of silence. No. Um, but if things did go to plan, I hope you enjoyed Varagoth and um, and uh, and and Dorian Rook because they were both very fun to play. In those two episodes, and I believe by now you would have heard more. Hey! But yes, that's 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 for other things. Emma, what is if, this we're doing, Steve? If anything, if this if, is weird. If if anything, is there anything you might want to shout out on as I pull up our dates and we won't yeah, tell when, them when we're recording? No, when when is this episode going out? This theory should be going out on the first of September. First of September. So we hope you enjoyed Dear Day. Yeah. We had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Um, the costume changes were a nightmare. <laughs> I, which I was looking at my list of costumes that I'd made for each character. Uh, it was far more detailed than what I actually did on the day. Because <laughs> I realised I haven't got that much time to change things. Um, it is now September. Welcome to September. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't have. I'm starve. Brand new campaign! Start a brand new campaign! So, if I've also done things right, you should have heard uh, just before this a brief three or four minutes where I've explained the world uh, world we'll be playing our campaign in, the world of Cordelia. You've had notes given to yourself, Emma, so you, you know about this world, but we'll dive a bit more into detail over uh, the the the, uh, the session that is going to be played now. Um, as you'll have guessed from the title, um, and as you'll see over the next two weeks, you'll be noticing that we're doing prologues for this campaign. So um, we're going to learn a bit about the characters that you'll be uh, learning and living with over the next campaign. Um in a little more of a one-on-one -on -one detail. If you've yeah. never heard uh, solo D&D before, um, or duetting as they've called it, um, you may have already heard this if you've listened to our evil campaign, because they're duetted, but this is much more in a long stream narrative going into a large campaign. Uh, so yes, speaking of which, would you like to introduce your character you'll be playing this campaign? Yes! I would! The pressure now. The this pressure. character has to be good. This character has to be good enough that Why it stays he... in the campaign Why and doesn't go, after this prologue, no thanks. Oh, I've just realised it gave me a really weird player name because I printed this off the internet and it just gave me a player name that's just letters and numbers. Okay. Um, my character is Ian, which is spelled X-E-E-Y-A-N. He is a dragonborn paladin. He's a white dragonborn paladin. Um, because I believe the colour of him actually makes a difference. It does. Um, his uh, background on here should be changed because that was his old background. Um, <clears throat> but he's come. He's come from a nice family, and he left to follow the uh, paladin path. Um, left to go training with <laughs> training with an old man sounds really weird. 
We'll get into that in a minute. We'll get into that in a minute. Because um, we're going to play your backstory. Yeah, but he left, he left his family to follow the paladin path, which is what you will hear shortly. Um, he's from whatever the, the Cordelia version of uh, the North is. <laughs> Funnily enough... Um, Tommen? Torren, Torren, the city that you are, uh, yes. you are, you have chosen as your hometown, Torren. is smack bang in the centre of the island. Um, as it will have said earlier, if you didn't catch it or if I didn't say it properly, go over to uh, 16candlekeeps.com forward slash news. Yes. Um, or there may be a separate page that's been made up for Cordelia where you'll be able to see a map of Cordelia and get a bit more reference for this um, and such. But Torren, yes. as you have decided you wanted to live in, is kind of northern in uh it is north of somewhere um <laughs> yes <laughs> but it's it's less northern in the concept of they don't all talk like this and have a lot of thick gravy with their dinner oh he does <laughs> oh he may it doesn't mean that that's where they're from uh okay. Torren is based so um Torren is based more uh around the idea of um the like masculine and very, um, what's the word? Uh, like very dangerous nature of the north, if you will. Shifty. It's not shifty, but like it's it's a very uh, it's, the the terrain is very tumultuous, if you will, okay. uh, and and problematic. And you will find out more as I zoom our camera of narrative in. We'll jump straight in, shall we? Sure. Just gonna uh, have a swallow of drink while you. No, that's fine. Narr- so- narr- it away. As we have already discussed, the island of, or the continent, I don't know what the right one of those is, the island of Bowerheath is a heart-shaped stone that sits in the centre of the Ashen Seas, and we zoom straight into the centre uh, of this uh, this island uh, to a small canyon, um, almost an oxymoron, uh, the small canyon in the centre of the isle, uh, where once was when this uh, this stone was underwater, was the domain and lair of a huge dragon turtle by the name of Torren. Uh, when the when the island rose out of the water and this this kind of sump like uh, dish that sits in the centre of the island, uh, it was kind of raised into excuse me raised into the air. Um, the waters evaporated. Uh, there are still small pools around it. It's very much like a rock pool after the tide has gone out, uh, but just recently gone out rather than it being dry because of the sun. Uh, and in the centre or around the centre of the canyon, uh, there is this humongous uh, turtle. Um, turtle. Turtle is a race. Excuse me. Turtle. Um, <laughs> or tortoise. Um, this huge dragon turtle it's about the size of, of a small city um as you will find out because the city of Torren, which you were born and bred in ian is on the back of the shell of Torren, the dragon turtle he moves around in a very very tired slow fashion around the canyon meaning that it's never really easy to place the city of Torren, but they are nearly always uh, in the same place as the dragon turtle um the uh the name of the city um came after the uh the study of the uh the dragon turtle and your city sits in these skyscraper like uh 
buildings that have been made out of the the, the mountainous terrain that grew on the back of Torrin itself. And they have been excavated into cavernous regions and then more um, opulent uh, living areas. There are two academies of, of martial and uh, spellcasting uh, teaching. There is a, a quaint uh, living society here. Um, it is predominantly the seat of power for Dragonborn as well. So the family that leads uh, or is like the mayor of Torrin is currently presided over by the Frostbane family who are all white dragonborns, Ooh. apart from the offspring of a uh, somewhat sordid affair um, that led to Cerberus Frostbane, uh, one of the uh, outcast <laughs> family members. Um, but yes, more of that later. Um, Ian. Hello. Tell us about your life in Torren. What sort of thing do you think Tor- that you would do in Torren before joining Paladin life and such? I would say he's been quite normal as far as um, fantasy and D&D goes. Um, as in, went to school, whatever the education system is, got all his vaccinations. <laughs> There's national insurance number. Signed up for a job yeah. at the age of 16. He's yeah. <laughs> got a CV. That's been paying thing. rent to his mum. Yeah, <laughs> yeah looks after his siblings. Um, he comes from a large family. Uh, he's got. He's one of six. I like how we both wrote that down. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, to all accounts, it's a very happy family. Um, it's what would be your normal linear family, I guess. Mom, dad, kids, pet of some description. Um, family's been a little bit religious, but not overly so. Um, and over the last few years before this prologue starts, Ian has been um, studying the ways of the paladin more um, and is, is on the verge of making a decision as to whether he would follow it full time um, and eventually take one of the oaths or whether it's not for him. So I believe he's now in contact with the man Steve will be playing, or the person Steve will be playing, so to um, embark upon the paladin teaching proper. For you, you have, um, I'm going to say you have a fun thing here, uh, in that you are one of the few Dragonborn that have dark vision. Ah, okay. So add dark vision of 30 feet to your traits, uh, something that... Um, Okay. We haven't discussed um, uh, yet because the characters have only slowly but surely started to arrive into my inbox, uh, but also because of the world building slowly around where you mm. come from and such. So for you lot in Torren, because you live in these cavernous uh, kind of like expanses in the, the back of a turtle, um, you do have natural light that comes through sunlights uh, that have been broken into the sides of the the cavernous rooftops above you but you do spend a lot of time in darkness which means that you've naturally acclimated over the last few years to darkness and thus the dragonborns from Torren all have slight dark vision Um, you as you say you live with your family it's quite happy it's quite normal in any instance Um, you work a job you uh, keep yourself busy mm-hmm. you find time to enjoy yourself would you say uh, Ian had friends or anything like that or would you say he's quite a, a no he's always been quite uh, insular quite studious um, 
I've realised as I'm saying this, he's younger than I thought he was. Oh yeah, that, does that's... it make sense for him to be? How old do you think Ian would be? See, now I'm picturing him as nineteen, around that like left school age. So for you, because you've not uh, been a very uh, versed D and D player, yeah. and for our listeners who may not know this, um, I believe the ruling is that basically dragonborns come into their full prowess around the age of eighteen. I think it is. Okay. I think I'm getting that right. Um, so essentially they, they're they quite thin and gangly mm. uh, between the age and 12 of 18 yeah. but they grow to their full height by the age of 12 and then they flesh out into the big yeah. beefy like images that you'll have seen on uh, on all games and such when you've seen a dragonborn appear I mean, that, yeah that makes sense so recently just fleshed out would be yeah. so 19 you reckon? yeah let's go 19 19 but his mind is older his mind is older he's always been an old soul in a young soul's body it's a diamond in the rough. It's a diamond in Fresh. the rough. Okay, and we're not going to continue. Yes. Power, his power of speech. <laughs> no, just me. Uh, what are you quoting? Cause it's Hamilton. Hamilton, yes. Born Thank you, 19, so. but my mind is older. Yes, yes, yes. Diamond uh, in the rough. Yes. Anyway. Um, anyway. Uh, excuse me. I thought I thought that'd be fun. Um, so you have, as you say, you've you've been quite studious. You've been quite quiet. Uh, you don't have a lot of friends until recently, when you have been paired up uh, with a slightly older dragonborn who is about twenty five, twenty six. Uh, Red scaled dragonborn, very cocky, very um, aggressive. In uh, quite a shocking comparison. Now you have already said your family is religious. Um, with the world around you, um, I imagine it would be to one of the five dragon gods yes. of the world. Yes. Um, do you like because obviously I I've, don't know which one. That's fine. Um, what sort of what sort of feel do you think a family would have? Just uh, to get a rough idea, do you think they're quite? Because you said they're quite happy. Yeah. Do you think they'd be quite um, strict, devout? religion no, do you reckon they'll be loose. quite loose and yeah. relaxed do you think they're more nature loving no, um, do you think they're more book learners do you think well see the other one you were about to say uh, book learners uh, are they quite uh, dominant are they quite uh, nature based as I say um, no I think it'd be the book learning one so I reckon this, fairly loose this this fits quite well into what I imagined with what uh, we were saying uh, previously and what uh, I have in my head uh, thus far, there are five, as I said, there are five dragon gods, um, who are all the children of the ultimate uh, two gods in the world, uh, Aelstorm and Calvarix. Um, the god that your family assigns to, or um, I don't know what the word is, uh, follows. 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 There, there's a orchestrate now. Um, there's Subscribe. a word I think. Subscribes. <laughs> um, pays a monthly fee. Yes. In tithe. Um, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you follow Zephyrion. Oh my god, how do I spell Spelt X-E-T-H. I'm having to remember how I spell this. E-R-E-L-O-N. Zetheralon. Zetheralon. is the god of knowledge in the world. Now, you are also aware, because as has always been... Uh, uh, suggested uh, that there are other gods from different planes of existence but your plane of existence follows specifically these five dragon gods and a couple of others that also borrow from these uh, like Faerunian uh, gods and such like that from the Forgotten Realms and 
more on that from the player's handbook. Um, but uh, but yes, the Therolon is a silver dragon, who is also the god of knowledge. Uh, he lives on the peak or the, the the highest peak of the Spine Chill Mountain to the north of your home. Yep. Um, he has a group of followers that he uh, he he uh, has a like a unique vanguard that are known as the Knights of Cognition. They are normally paladins and fighters and and monks. There are basically anyone who wants to follow him in a devout route, but also it's not just your clerics and paladins that can follow. Uh, you can have fighters, monks, um, like anything that wants to work in service of him. Yeah. Um, and it, I think that's probably the end we'll have for you trying to join paladin life. Okay. Um, however because your family are quite studious and book learning and very, uh, I imagine, very caring and worrisome, yeah. they don't want you to join certain sects of paladin life. Okay. So you've basically had... I like the idea of paladins almost having like a university kind of <laughs> scrolls that have been sent for and you've got, ah, join us in the uh, in the, uh, the the paladins of Scorchfang where we'll teach you how to control fire and <laughs> join us in the, the paladins of, uh, excuse me, uh, Slate Hall where we can teach you how to control earth. Nice. Um, for yourself, your mum specifically, I imagine, has forced upon you the scroll for a very local one. Um, in the in one of the towers of Torren, which focuses on the path of pacifism, you have been suggested that alongside Torvik, this fire, this fire-breathing red-scaled dragonborn that you've suddenly been kind of like tied together with because he's slightly older uh, and is also training to become a paladin as well. He's slightly uh, closer to his goal of taking an oath. But he has also been forced uh, by his parents into the uh, the pacifist school at the uh, the martial training camp in Torren. Okay. I think let's just have a little bit of a chat. I guess the first thing would be so let's get to know. Let's let's have a bit of role play and see where 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 Ian is for you and how you feel. So we'll say that you're currently you the the idea of this prologue is that you are going to be sent on your first mission. Um, Torvik is going to be your lead because he is. This is his uh, his proof that he is ready to take his oath. Right. Whereas this is your chance to shadow someone about to take their oath to learn about the thing. Um, with the pacifism uh, school, you have been taught a lot of knowledge and you've been taught a lot of history. Uh, a lot of it has been book learning. There's not been a lot of combat whatsoever, which I think. I don't know about Ian's following, but I know Torvik, for example, would be very upset about it because he has seen that essentially the paladins in the books of old and the scrolls of old have all been these hugely armoured, massive sword wielding, like gods on the battlefield. And so far you've been given a broom without the broom on the end of it. You've got a broomstick as a quarterstaff uh, for when you do defensive practice, but never combat to attack. Um, the mantra that you have been uh, drilled into from day one of joining the pacifist clan is essentially uh, an, a good offence is a very strong defence. Good offence is a very strong defence. Okay. So. I feel, I feel like that would be the other way around. 
a good defense is a very strong offense. Well, that's being very fight fighter based. You're going to hit, but defending oh, yeah, away so from yeah. something. You can't. You can beat your. The yeah. idea is to to flesh it out a little bit more. The idea is rather than fighting to inflict damage and wound your enemy, you tire them out by being so defensive. You stop them at every point yeah. before they can even hit you. That makes sense. Um, you are very much almost like. Um, for for one I know personally for cavalry pyre it's a uh, mm-hmm. martial art where essentially it's not about placing blows or trying to place energy against your uh, your combatant it's about the transferal of energy away from you so for example in cavalry pyre if someone punches you you would can you would take the hand and push it again away from you to essentially transfer the energy into another place therefore turning them out and wasting okay. their energy. And not having to fight them until yeah. you can then talk and get it all over with with diplomacy. But yes, you are currently sat in a uh, in a very calm, uh, like very quiet library um, in one of the spires of Torren. Uh, you are sat with Torvik, who is very much he's got his garb on and he's got his quarter staff lent up against the table, yeah. and he's got a book open in front of him, but his arms are crossed and he's tapping his foot very petulantly in front of you as you wait for one of the masters to come down to give you your uh, task so if you would like to have a chat with Torvik or anything like that by all means do or if you want to just sit quietly by all means you don't look like you're enjoying that enjoying what the studying the reading the prep what are we prepping for though well you're Ian. prepping for your oath are you ready for it? Yes, yes. I have learned the words. I have done the dance. I'm ready to become a paladin of pacifism. You definitely don't sound thrilled about that bit. No. What I was hoping for was to ride into battle on a pegasus. And okay. And to cleave through waves of orcs and goblins and what I'm getting told is I'll need to take my broomstick and clean up after the paladin who did that so why did you embark on the pacifist route if you why did you Ian well I'm not a massive fan of fighting I don't think I haven't haven't done a lot of it but it seems like it's the right way forwards, I suppose. And Mummy didn't have anything to do with that, did she? Uh, no. Not really. Esmeralda, or Mother, as I should call her, decided that I have to become a pacifist monk because uh, they are the uh, they are the the the, the, the best the best of of, of, of the, the the warriors that would make money and not renown well that's as may be but you're the person embarking on it so shouldn't you have final say I believe I will oh and he just sits back and that was a that was a cliffhanger in a conversation so Ian doesn't really know how to respond to that one um, almost serendipitously, um, the door opens at the end of the car of this uh, like uh, library hall that you're in, um, and you see stepping through a rotund uh, dragonborn, uh, very um, 
the 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 robes around him look like they've been tied on rather than uh, tied to to keep him covered. Um, large arse. Yes, no. <laughs> uh, very large, very squat. Uh, wears two pairs of glasses, uh, and also in a very fun and uh, introducing things early, uh, already in the prologue, uh, is purple scaled, oh. um, which is a dragonborn that doesn't exist in the world. Um, so we have a new thing. Um, have has Ian seen purple ones before? Um, you will know of the purple dragonborns. They are essentially um, akin to Feywild creatures. Uh, they are essentially half. So they're each dragonborn is basically born from a lineage that started with a chromatic or metallic dragon, and then a human, mm-hmm. um, and then that bloodline has led down to dragonborns being normal, half human, half basically like the half elf of uh, of dragon life. Purple dragons mm. are the process of fairy dragons, okay. which have rainbow-coloured scales. That as they grow older and more powerful, their colour changes to befit their power. Um, the human offspring from that dragon and that human to make the dragonborn of that is always purple. It's a l- very like amethyst dark colour, um, th- almost like Gengar. Um, nice. And that kind of purple hue. Nice. nice um, purple reference. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, you can Google that and find that nice. specific colour I want. <laughs> Um, anyway, but he comes in, he's got his robe around him, he's got his two sets of glasses, and he's walking along with this very ornate quarterstaff that looks like essentially a, a torrent of water coming up to a like a, an explosion at the top. Nice. Um, as he walks in, he's carrying several scrolls under his arm, and he waddles over towards you. And, um, Ian and Torvik, you are ready for your, um, ready for your, 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 your test. I... Yes. Sure. Yes. Anyway, um, <laughs> and he throws down the scroll in front of you. Uh, bundle still in his arm. Uh, completely. Uh, uh, not the the completely fine. He doesn't seem to care the fact that he's got an entire bundle there. They just sit almost like they've been glued to his arm as he waves around quite um, uh, quite quite performatively. Uh, throws a scroll onto the table into front of two of you. It starts to roll over to Torvik specifically, who opens it and starts. Pouring over the words uh, as uh, this uh, master starts to speak. So, um, what you'll be doing is there uh, has been has been complaint of a a, a rabble rouser uh, in the uh, in the the the, 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 the fields around Torren and uh, or Cradle Rock because Torren is always moving uh, and almost to. to to accent the point, there is a shudder as oh. Torrin takes another step, and the entire building just kind of wobbles gently. No one seems to mind because they're just used to it from yeah. living. Uh, there's just like a, um, but the uh, the 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 master continues. Um, what what uh, what we need to do is go out and um, and just give him a good um, give him a good telling off. Uh, we're not we're not we're not we're not people people of Torrin do not appreciate. Uh, people trying to play gods. We have enough of them living in the world. It's just... <laughs> so we can just go and talk to him? Yes, that's the, that's the plan. Um, 
Uh, obviously, for you, Ian, uh, <laughs> you will not be expected to do much. Uh, you're there right. to simply follow Torvik. If you, if you feel um, uh, Torvik needs a guiding hand or you have any suggestions for him, by all means do. But uh, Torvik, you are first in command. <laughs> um, Torvik just kind of nodding gently and looking over the scroll and then throws it over towards you um, and then turns to look at looking at the scroll um, you can see that essentially it reads uh, a number of uh, tallies at the top which mark how many complaints have been about the person you're going to speak but uh, there is apparently a half orc living in a small cabin on the outskirts of Cradle Rock which is the name of the canyon you live in Um, he is uh, apparently he has been uh, seen performing um, ill rites apparently according to the the, the notes uh, apparently trying to uh, summon some sort of uh, demon of some sort in some of the notes at the bottom from uh, people who have reported this character to uh, to the, the, the paladins hmm. looks interesting enough yes um, and uh, let's go talk to him as I say, all I needed to do is go off and have a chat with um, this half orc. Let me put put uh, put the the whole thing to rest. Make sure that anything that is happening is uh, is is detailed in your report. Um, and uh, and and you know, don't 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 get yourself into a ruckus. If they if they're looking like they're going to fight, remember, and uh-huh. you almost you feel it coming out of his mouth before he even says it. Yeah. A good offense is a strong defense. defense. <laughs> yes, you know, Ian. Very good. Yes, Very good. <laughs> okay. And he gets up. Um, you are to report uh, whenever you like back to uh, the bursar for payment, obviously. Uh, for Torvik, you will need to report to, to Maelstrom for your, uh, for your final examination. Um, he will take in your report and uh, he will uh, make sure you are ready. Um, and Torvik just kind of scoffs and starts scru- picking up the, the book again that he's reading. And uh, Ian almost mentally gets himself ready mm-hmm. for a battle of mm-hmm. words because he has no intention of landing any blows. But we'll see, we'll see. Um, excellent. Uh, the master looking towards Torvik in almost like a waiting for a response and then a, um, Okay. <laughs> okay. Very well, lads. Have a good day. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't take too long. Um, we'll uh, see you back shortly, shall we? Thanks, Teach. Uh, he just nods and salutes. He gives a cheeky little two fingers from the the temple to salute as he walks off. Um, it's not what I thought he would do. <laughs> doesn't seem the time to do that. Um, but you know him. Yes. Um, you've just met for later if you ever want to go into yes. fun because I didn't call him anything uh, but I've now decided that his name is going to be uh, Whalebone 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 is that a first name or a last That's name it. he's just Master Whalebone Master Whalebone because you will not be given certain names you'll just know so you've just been told there is a uh, a bursa yep. uh, and there is um, a Master Maelstrom Yes. Something that I need to just set up to make sense uh, in terms of things, because also you know Maelstrom isn't a very pacifist name. Not really. Um, no. So the 
you are in essentially one of the spires where paladins come to train okay. before taking their oaths. Okay. The dragonborn each have um, they each have a uh, like a almost like a, a paragon or like a, a spokesperson on site at all times who is there to pass judgment on each uh, paladin who is trying to take their oath. Maelstrom is standing in for the pacifist, um, the pacifist stand, okay. uh, because so uh, Maelstrom is a red-skinned, uh, red-scaled dragonborn. Um, the pacifist uh, of the of the five that would sit in this uh, in this world, um, who is uh, I'm going to go with. I haven't thought of certain parts of this, so I apologize. I'm adding these now so we can it's flesh fine. out the world as this is what this part's for. Um, so I'm going to go with something... I feel like Classy. 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 Master Classy is the uh, is the green-scaled dragonborn that would be the pacifist... Um, the pacifist paladin. Okay. As, as I say, it's the seat of power for dragonborn, so each of them will be dragonborns. They can be replaced by others, uh, so humans and elves and such. It's just that predominantly the... the this is a dragonborn-centric uh, yeah. city, um, though all cities across and towns across the the, uh, the world of Cordelia uh, are very uh, like a miasma of different races. Okay, it's just some of them are congregated towards. So the dwarves all live in a place yeah. called Hangram Hearth uh, down to the south, uh, which is a very like underground mining facility sort of place. Whereas humans have flocked towards the coast because they like the like seafaring and all that sort of thing. Okay. That's world building. That's world building. Um, so yes, you have your mission. Uh, Torvik uh, has a flash of like menace over his face uh, as um, as the speaker walks off. Speaker well then. Um, as he hears the name Maelstrom, he turns around. And, well. Um, Maybe Maelstrom might want a uh, a different paladin of you know if he's he's going to be testing me maybe we should do something else. Do you fancy a little covert operation? Uh, what's it going to involve? Well, I'm thinking if this person is trying to summon demons, why don't we slay the demon? We could, but um, why can't we just talk to the guy and tell him to calm down? And he takes the book he's been reading and turns it round to you. It's on a page of one of the other dragon gods. Um, this, again, more stuff that's new to this world and nowhere else. Uh, you see a depiction on one page on the left uh, that is almost like the the um, the illustration to go with the words next to it of this huge dragon made of lava vaunting out of the top of a volcano. Um, the text next to it explains that this is the uh, the god of light, Ooh. known as Frost Cleaver. Okay. Um, they are a uh, a dragon that lives uh, somewhere uh, to the south in the Dusk Mines. Nobody has met, seen them in a few years. Uh, to give you an idea of the date as well, by the way, um, it is the forty second of spring, sixty two A.D. No, DL, sorry. Excuse me. I need to remember that I've changed my calendar. 62 okay. DL. Thank you. Um, yes. Okay. Yes. Maybe if we prove ourselves worthy to a different god. So Therion, he's a pushover. He lives in the top of a mountain. Like he 
yes, there are some knights of cognition who have uh, who have really driven the cause of you know, paladins, but I don't like the idea of doing something other than what we've been told. Well, I guess we better be good dragonborn and go do what we've been told then. Right, you don't have to be an arse about it. Well, okay. And he just gets up and starts packing his things away. Okay, I'll gather my stuff and follow him reluctantly. Okay. I don't trust him. <laughs> no, understandable. Um, the fun part now. Um, could Bye. you... We ha- I wasn't planning to have many roles in no. the prologues. In fact, it was meant to be a lot of playing and chatting. Um, but, because I think it'll be fun for this, could I have from you, please, as Ian, I think an acrobatics check. Uh, eight. Eight. Excellent. You hate certain parts of Torren, and it's not for want of trying to enjoy it. It's just that other kids seem to be better at certain parts of it than you were. Okay. As you come out of the uh, the small uh, library area that you have been studying in the higher peaks of uh, Torren, you find yourself looking at two exits to the uh, the current area you're in. You've got a stairwell that leads down in a very normal... Okay. Artistic fashion. Yes. <laughs> and then you see Torvik lick his teeth and uh, gets very excited as he sticks his quarterstaff on his back and makes sure his bag is strapped to him and runs and jumps and catches onto a a stick that is hanging off a railing that sweeps down to lower areas of Torren. Oh my god! As he ziplines down into one of the lower areas of Torren below you. As if by magic there is a few seconds after he's gone and then a poof as another um Stick, stick appears ready for the next user. I will ask you rather than forcing you to do it. Do you follow him down the yes, zip line? Yes, begrudgingly. You not as acrobatically. He no. does. He does a very kind of like swashbuckling swing down, and there's a point where he starts to like he lets go with one hand and swings around and gestures with his hand and does yes. very acrobatic. You very clumsily like walk forward, and there is a ledge underneath you, so you can grab onto the stick and you very awkwardly decided I don't like heights you awkwardly and haphazardly grab it and there is that moment as you step forward and you feel the vertigo starting to kick in and you're like I don't want to 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 and then as if noting your fear the stick pushes you and you start going down and you just it's a very high pitched scream the whole way it's very much at odds with his look and his Normal voice. You screech down, literally and figuratively, uh, to a lower level and also one of the platforms that lead off of Torren, the turtle, um, where you see flipping midair and somersaulting into a three-point landing. Uh, you see uh, Torvik below you landing on this kind of quaint little dock area uh, for airships that travel alongside Torren every now and then. You're a uh, show-off. You say as you slam smack bang into a bale of hay that has been delivered recently. Spitting hay out, picking out the hay. Clap. <laughs> Come on, time to go and be heroes. I'm going to go talk this old half orc into a an early grave. <laughs> we are going to talk to it, aren't we? You're it, going to it, talk. It, Ian. Oh, what have they taught you? Such oh. Xenophobe, more like, not Zian. <laughs> um, Ian just looks at him with like a 
You're a twat. <laughs> sort of expression on his face the whole time. And he brushes himself down and goes, fine, okay, come on. Uh, and he takes, now, for those that don't know, in terms of audio, listeners, and for yourself, I know you may not have seen an airship in any of your stories that you may have read and such. It's basically a massive ship. It's a massive ship. Yeah. Like a big old galleon sort of thing. Or galley, sorry. But rather than... Rather than no, you were right. Uh, no, galleon is a type of coin. Yeah. Uh, a galley is... I don't know, fuck it. Oh, Google. You the big it. old ship okay. on the Galileo. Uh, yes, that one. <laughs> it's a big old uh, seafaring ship that has had three balloons, uh, almost like massive helium balloons. It is a galleon ship. A galleon ship um, attached to the uh, the half mast or the centre mast. I don't know ship terms. <laughs> <laughs> what are the masts? But essentially attached to the rigging across yeah. the ship itself are these three huge balloons. And on the back of it, where the rudder would normally be, is a large propeller with a rudder just behind it Excellent. to guide the air that allows nice. it to turn and such. Nice. Airships. Now, oh. for those that don't want to pay an exorbitant amount of money to try and get on these airships, there are smaller little putt-putts that allow <laughs> travel from the uh, from the edge of Torren to the crater kind of edges around uh, Cradle Rock itself. You, uh, being paladins in training, managed to get yourself a putt-putt without any charge. Nice. Excellent. And, and make way for the edge as uh, as Torvik takes We're the lead. We're going to and the edge. you travel off. And, uh, for for a cinema, cinematographic image right now, oh, no. we have a tiny little, like almost like a rowboat with a little balloon above it uh, and basically like pedalo-type fashion yep. Yep. Uh, as you both... Uh, uh, you both embark or disembark or whatever the words uh, from the edge of Torren and this tiny little boat in the air is floating away <laughs> from this huge turtle that just gently is just plodding around <laughs> just enjoying itself um, as you head towards like these tree uh, croppings that are around uh, Cradle Rock okay is there anything you want to chat about whilst you travel I'm gonna, rather than chat, I'm going to keep an eye on him because he looks like... I don't trust him when he says we're going to talk. And I imagine he looks very relaxed about the whole thing, whereas Ian's just watching him with a scowl of suspicion on his face. And to, if anything, whatever Torvik says to him that's quite innocuous sounding, Ian's just going to respond with like a grunt or a one-word answer because he's not... Not too sure. You don't want to get too invested in this guy. Excellent. He doesn't want to be implicated in whatever happens because of the implication. Because they're on a ship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, no. <laughs> no. Not that sort of implication. <laughs> but Ian won't outright you, say Dennis. no because, because they're on a boat. Thank you, Dennis. <laughs> because of the implication. You know. Because she won't, because of the implication. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. She wants to say no, but she won't. She's on a boat in the middle of the ocean. Where's she going to go? Because of the implication. <laughs> the God stories just <laughs> merging. Anyway. So um, we're on a boat in the middle of the sky. I want to say no, but where am I going to go? Because of the implication. <laughs> uh, it's always Sonny's fault, not mine. Anyway, um, it's always Sonny and Torrid. So, as you, uh, as you travel out... Um, you will know of a certain thing, and it's brought up by uh, 
Torvik as you travel because it's uh, about an hour from the edge of Torren, the city and the turtle, to the edge of Cradle Rock, which okay. is again this like cavernous uh, canyon that sits in the centre of uh, of the world. Uh, you are heading for, heading for the lip, which leads on to I believe it's the Barrel Lands. Okay. Yes, it's the Barrel Lands. As I look towards to I look towards my map and go, yes, I've seen ah, that the Barrel Lands. The Barrel Lands are this kind of more meadowistic kind of typical kind of Faerun kind of uh, landscape. Imagine the Sword Coast. Yep. Imagine the field areas that you've seen on the map of there. Yep. Is that? Okay. Sweet. Awesome. As you head over towards it, uh, Torvik will start a conversation with you, uh, going, So, um, thoughts. On. After the oath take. Right. Potentially before it, depending on how this goes. How do you feel about taking one of those airships uh, to... Aelstorm's rest. Why? Why would we do that? Oh, come on, Nina. Have you been living under a rock? Literally. <laughs> um, sorry, uh, I had to. Um, basically, if you hadn't been reading the newspapers, or um, yesterday, Moonbreaker died. Right. And um, because I need to explain this part of things, uh, Moonbreaker is a famous barbarian across the world. Um, he is one of the original heroes of Aelstorm's Rest and also of Cordelia. Um, going off the history, where the original hero party of the world, like the first barbarian, the first famous wizard, the first paladin of such, um, you will know the paladin to be Balder, um, who is a dwarven paladin who, uh, who, who came from a faraway land. Uh, but yes, uh, they in their in their um, time after the creation of Cordelia have been living as heroes of the realm uh, under their their moniker of the World Splitters. Uh, they live in a headquarters that is to the south of uh, Aelstorm's Rest called Caradoon Hall. It's very Scottish. Uh, yes, um, I don't know why. <laughs> um, but Moonbreaker was one of the last two surviving members of the World Splitters due to just the natural age of each race that were uh, that were there and also the deity promises they had Moonbreaker being a being a barbarian who literally cheated death by raging mm-hmm. um, because there are certain barbarian paths which mean that you cannot die if you're raging um, excellent mm-hmm. But uh, Moonbreaker died yesterday, on the 41st of spring. Okay. There was a a global announcement, or a a plane-wide announcement, by the now sole-surviving member of the World Splitters, Brenda Wick Gall, (laughs) the lich wizard, um, who put out a cryptic message uh, across the, the plane offering for those that feel brave or worthy of being a world splitter to join him at Caradoon Hall at week's end. Okay. Week's end would be uh, he sent out airships to every major city for anyone who wants to come and join this cryptic uh, invitation uh, and they will head towards um, towards Caradoon Hall at the end of the week. Um, the end of the week would be 
it'd be tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Okay. I think. I can't remember maths. Um, doesn't matter. Um, the, the weeks are seven days here instead of ten days like in normal D&D stuff. Uh, so uh, imagine if... Uh, because also the way the weeks work. I, I'd say let's go with the end of the week would be the 45th. So it 45th, gives, okay. Because so, so, it's now the 42nd as it is. Yeah. Um, so... He, he's mentioned uh, but yeah this is what he's referring to there is okay. an invitation for all those feeling worthy or wanting to try to head to Caradron Hall so you think we should get on an airship yes I think why waste our time here in the middle of nowhere really because I don't think we're qualified to do that are we I mean he said brave enough or you know I mean I brave yeah but I, we're gonna have to fight and stuff when i've got no experience the old crate the old he, he's he's probably got something planned you know how these wizards are they waste time and money and you're gonna go regardless aren't you i'm planning to leave depending on how this encounter goes with this half orc I'm either leaving after that or after I've taken my oath. It all depends on how my report plans out and how you behave because I don't want to go back there just as over his shoulder towards okay. Torren and become a knight of pacifism. Well, I'm still still stuck on the pacifist thing, so uh, good luck to you, I guess. And what will you do when I leave? Are you going to go back and tell? Or? No, you do what you want. There's no skin off my nose if you go. It doesn't matter to me if you stay. I'm staying and I'll tell people whatever you want me to tell them. He sits very pensively as you travel for the rest the time towards the edge of Craterock. It gets to about early evening as the sun starts to set and the two moons of uh, of Cordelia start to rise in the sky. Um, one is blue, the other is orange. Um, they are not named yet. We'll find out we'll later. Find out later. Find out later if there are things. Because cool. <laughs> again, so the idea is, uh, so we're we're very early into the world. It's only been around for sixty so years. People are still learning mm -hmm. about the place that you're in. Okay. Um, anyway. Um, ah, but yes. Um, as the two moons start to rise, uh, almost one is ch it's like one is chasing the other slightly uh, behind. Um, and each night it seems to be one or the other. You're never really yeah. sure which one is the one trailing and which one's the one leading. But uh, yes, um, as the two moons start to rise, uh, you have a moment of uh, apprehension as you hit, hit the tree line. And would you say Ian has been out of Torren a lot? Not or a lot, no. Would you say he's been out at all? Or? I don't think he has. No, this might be the first time. Um, so yes, I imagine there's kind of like a, a fear that starts to build up, even if it's just a gentle one. There is that fear of I'm now away from home. I'm going to go into this darkened wood area around my home and find a half orc. Mm. Um, Torvik 
without even really missing a beat, breaks off a, a twig from uh, a branch and starts to light it to place it inside a lantern that he holds up and then uh, clicks his fingers and as he does the lantern floats up ahead in a kind of like almost ethereal Ooh, fashion. Trick. Well, I've actually been paying attention in spell casting. And, um, that's the problem, you see. What, that I don't pay attention? No, not you. Paladins, again. I want more, Ian. I want more ability. I want to be able to... Brenda Wick can do things like calling meteors from the sky. Paladins can't Great. do that. No. You get the sense if you haven't met him in terms of like at home life. This guy probably had the posters of the world splitters across his oh, bedroom, yeah, and loves each and every one of them. Yeah. Yes. So, as you start to head out, um, you make fairly good timing. You're both natural trackers uh, from training uh, that you've had uh, across Torum Tor and. Um, across the, uh, the, the the classes you may have had as they pre prepare you to become paladins and also ambassadors of uh, of the paladin oath um, because you'll be sent out to look into details like this more often once you take your oath. Um, you come across as it gets darker and darker and you start to hear the, uh, the nightlife of the forest around you start to pick up gently. Um, you come across a small cabin in the center of a clearing it looks like a very idyllic kind of log cabin that's been built up you can see that there are a couple of areas where it looks like there's been patchworking done to the walls um you don't know why uh, but there is smoke coming out the uh the chimney there is light inside the windows you can see that there's about two store there's a ground and a first floor of the the building uh it looks to be fairly wide as a, a cabin but it's almost like a, a detached house rather than a small log cabin as it is. Someone's in then. Well, good, because uh, we have to uh, go and tell him to stop being a naughty, apparently. Okay. And Ian kind of sucks up his courage and goes and approaches the door and knocks on it. Okay, Torvik kind of just follows as you knock on the door. There is a couple of moments, and you hear, uh, 10 seconds! Um, you hear crashing in pots and pans in the background um, and then approaching the door as it swings open you see a five foot four half orc grey skin tusks jutting out from the bottom jaw broken nose uh, freckles which are dark blue against his grey skin um, quite greenish eyes has uh, grey slick back hair he looks like quite an old half orc um, but however much in a half orc fashion being quite a dominant frame and almost as big as you as a dragonborn um he he looks up how how, old, how tall would you say ian is sorry, i was about just, to ask you that what's, what's tall like six so they're normally three? about they're normally six uh, between six and seven feet dragonborn because they're quite six, big six 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 six, six. six. Dwayne, johnson. You're dwayne johnson in six five yeah <laughs> six five <laughs> all right sorry, ian, six six <laughs> he's just a tiny bit bigger just a tiny minger it's probably uh, wider as well yeah <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, he he looks at you and he's basically got a cowboy Stetson on uh, that sit, uh, sits in a jaunty kind of like rocked back fashion on his head as it's been knocked when he's been rushing around. He's wearing a, a leather waistcoat uh, with a plaid shirt underneath and uh, just gentle uh, gentle slacks. 
Um, and he has a, uh, a belt buckle that says Banff on it. Yes, uh, he does. Because I've specifically taken this character and I've made him old. Nice. And he just looks at you both and goes, Well now, how can I help you fine gentlemen? Uh, help, I'm Ian. This is my friend Torvik. And we wondered if you had five minutes for us to talk to you. It's been a quiet night. I have as much time as you need. Would you like to come on in? And he Absolutely. just steps back and allows you to step in. Ian just goes in. Excellent. Uh, Torvik follows behind and is kind of gives you a look as you walk in because you have suddenly taken the lead on this yep. um, you step into what looks like a games uh, a game a game hunter's room there are different beasts that are mounted on the walls uh, so there's an owlbear head there's a wolf head um, there is a, uh, a, a wyvern head um, and against the wall over in the corner is this huge great axe not great axe sorry great sword I great forget sword. great sword okay. um, so you will know what a great sword is yes it's the two-handed big old bastard sword sort of thing <laughs> it can only be wielded two-hand the blade itself is normally like a fuller the fuller of the blade of a great sword is like a normal long sword okay. which you probably have seen in your books but haven't used before yes um he turns around and goes well my my what a fascinating can i get anyone a drink <laughs> uh water water if you've got it talk uh, i believe your friend here said uh, Torvik just shakes his head and goes and sits in this kind of like small sitting area in the next to the fire that's burning. Uh, even though it's spring, it's slightly cool outside. Uh, it's coming that's up making towards. It's too hot now, knowing what the weather is here. It's starting. We this. I want to put the fan back on. <laughs> starting to come up to to summer, so it's starting to get warm, yeah. but it's still quite brisk. Um, but yes, um, and again, as you look around, there are parts of the walling. Then make it look like they've been patched over before, like something's broken the wall sure. and he's had to fix it up. Excellent. He goes off towards the kitchen, uh, which is in the next room, and comes back and bringing a cup and hands you uh, a small clay cup of water. And he lifts his own tankard and drinks nice. and sits down in a rocking chair next to the fire. So uh, you said you'd come to talk. <laughs> How are you? Yes, my friend Torvik would like to talk to you. And I gesture Torvik forwards because I'm still not convinced he actually wants to talk to the guy. <laughs> Torvik steps forward and um, very gently starts to pat himself down. And you can see he's a bit nervous as well. This is one of his first uh, expeditions outside of... I thing. feel like it's important because he's about to take his oath. Yeah. Do you sit at all or do you just stand? I'm just going to sit. Okay, so you sit on a settee. Yes. No, on one side. Torvik well. stands in front of in him. This lovely room of death. Um, with a coffee table in the centre. So it's kind of like you're at a triangle. Oh, yeah. Uh, so he's next to... You've got uh, this half up by the fire. You've got... he's. You're sat on a, a table next to... On a settee next to the window. Yeah. And then uh, in between the two of you and slightly further back is Torvik. Um, Torvik steps forward and goes, uh, We've had reports that you've been... Um, playing uh, with uh, rites that should be uh, performed and uh, the half up looks at him and goes well I don't know. I've been uh, I've been experimenting if that's what you mean uh, uh, I have a bit of arcane skill myself but uh, I have not uh, I've not been doing anything summon wise what um, until they yes yes um, we've been we've been reports that you've been trying to create some sort of monster or machinery I Apologies, we've only been given rough reports. Um, I'm just here to tell you to stop, really. And the, the half-up kind of bristles a little bit. He goes, well, um, I don't believe that I fall under the, the jurisdiction of Torrin, so I do not believe that I have to do that. Um, 
Oh, well, it's it's not um, our, our decision. Uh, this has come from the lawmakers, may you know. I, may I be uh, honest with you two? Uh, I, I have been honest before. Do not please take that as I've been lying to you. But uh, I, I have not done anything wrong. And I do not believe that you should be coming here and telling me differently. Um, I've been experimenting and making a, an item that will... Uh, Go on to protect people? Uh, that that sounds fine. If you can guarantee to us that you have not broken any laws in the making of this item, then we can go back and say that everything is, is fine. And What law says that I cannot build machinery? Um, and he kind of sits there thinking back over all the laws he knows, and there isn't one, I don't think. There isn't one that says you can't build machinery now. No. There are certain arcane rules. Let's go for this. Uh, make a history check for me. Uh, 15. 15. There is a couple of laws that have been set by uh, the certain jurisdictions that cover um, Cordelia that there are spells that need permission to be used. Okay. Certain high-level spells, if you're going to be using them, such as Revivify or... Um, or certain ones that, that can cause life, raise dead, for example. Uh, they come they come sometimes. If they are needed in a life or death situation, such as Revivify, they are allowed to be used, but they're being used in a uncharacteristic way. They need to have a permit given by one of the local councils okay. to allow for the usage. Okay. Um, Yes, you. So based on what I've heard, you from have to him get a so permit far. to bring your friend back to life. <laughs> Lovely, that just delays it. Uh, so based on what I've heard from this cowboy guy so far, he hasn't broken anything that I know of. Mm -hmm. If he's building machinery. However, he has said he's building something yes. that is going to protect people around here. Yes. And there has been suggestion that he's been performing ill rights. Yes, this is what my next question is yeah, going to be. Go for it. Once we get to that. So, the machinery. Is, is that the thing that's going to protect people, or is that something? Oh, he's going to do more than protect. He's probably going to, he's probably going to um, keep this. He's probably going to outlive most of us, I think. Oh, okay. Um, so that there, there might not be a law against uh, making machinery, um, but there's there's laws against certain spells being used. Um, so have you, have you used any spells to make this? To, to make this thing or any yeah. any spells at all he gets a bit darker in his expression as he leans forward and goes I haven't used any spells I've been using um been using sentient dark wood oh sentient dark wood is a type of wood that grows in Glayfair forest to the east to, to the west um it is only worked by those who live in Glayfair Okay. No. There are certain people. Visiting. <laughs> it is not normally exported to other places. He shouldn't be using it. He shouldn't be using it. No. It is basically used. It, it has magical properties. Okay. The, the wood, and it should be worked only by master craftsmen. So I'm going to reiterate this to him in a way that doesn't sound accusatory. Also, is just he may not have been aware of the rules, and that's why he used the wood. And he kind of leans forward again and places his tankard down as he starts to get up. Uh, and paces back and forth in front of the fire and goes, I've not done anything wrong. I have worked some wood that I was given by a friend. 
Right, so then uh, probably the the issue lies with the friend who gave you the wood rather than you. If you, if you weren't aware of the rules about using it, then uh, you, you can't be held responsible. Fletcher wouldn't be getting me in trouble. Fletcher is a very kind man. Um, okay. I'm and, sure. And it's at this point as he turns and he, he just... He doesn't do it aggressively, but he picks, he grabs the handle of the greatsword and starts to just like spin it on its uh, on its point. It's a, it's a really nice sword you got there. Thank you. I uh, crafted it myself. Oh, what 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 is the thing that you crafted? The machinery, the the protection thing. What what, what is it? It's a secret. I can't. Okay. Show you that. That's fine. You know, secret secrets. <laughs> And uh, Torvik kind of leaves my own. Listen, it's late. I want to go home and sleep. Stop what you're doing. Please show me to where this uh, construction that you've been making is so I can at least evaluate it. Torvik, we could just leave the construction. It doesn't matter. He is being very closed off. and the... Aye, probably because he's making something that's a secret. And secret constructions are normally problematic. And uh, Torvik starts to walk into the back of the house as this half-orc starts to get a bit more uh, animated. And go, hey, no, you can't! Um, and starts to try follow after Torvik, him. Torvik, don't go in there. Um, and he follow. He starts to walk around into this like corridor that runs down the centre of the building um, on the floor. You can see that as, as he walks down, there is a stairwell that leads up. And there are two or three doors on the left of the corridor and a door to the right that leads into the uh, the further parts of the house. Um, Torvik, just without ceremony, starts walking down and opening the doors. Uh, Torvik, leave the man... Son, can you... And as you're both shouting, Torvik walks down to the final door, opens it, and there is just a moment where um, time kind of stops for a moment. As... The door opens, Torvik is looking face in, and his f- expression goes blank for a moment, and then this huge golden fist comes flying out the door and punches Torvik directly in the face oh and God. throws him backwards into the door behind him and slumps down onto the ground. And you hear this half go, Dizzy, no! Um, and runs down to the room and pushes whatever is in the doorway into the room. Torvik? <coughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Oh, I said we should leave it. Let's just go. Oh, I'm not having that. I'm not having that. And Torvik gets up and paces into the room behind the half-orc. And you see his hand flick. Oh. No paladin of uh, of pacifism has been given weapons. You no. know this. You've never been trained to make weapons. No. You've never been trained to wield certain weapons apart from your quarterstaff. Yeah. So as he flicks his hand and you see a dagger of ice appear in his hand, he then swings Torvik. and flicks it and it slams directly into the back of the half-orc. Torvik, you shouldn't have done that. As there is a moment of the kind of... <coughs> as the half-orc takes the blade into the back and then this ice knife melts and drips to the ground, uh, removing any, any evidence. The, uh, the half-orc rocks forward and you now see what was being obscured almost by bits of rag and stuff hanging from the ceiling. Seven foot five. 
because he's a bit weird. Seven foot five, made of what looks like an alloy of some sort that looked golden in the light, is this huge construct. You can see the wooden beams that make the skeleton underneath the metal framework. That kind of like, it's very much like looking at the Iron Giant, but <laughs> yes. if its frame is made of wood and the plates are made of this alloy type material. Uh, but looking for all intents and purposes like a huge, like muscular version of the half orc you've just been staring at, <laughs> with its thick, impressive mustache. Uh, that is welded onto his face. Nice, nice. Um, this cowboy hat that seems to be welded onto <laughs> his head, and this. Oh, he made himself. And That's nice. in a very, uh, in a very kind of like childish fashion in yeah. some respects, a sheriff's star yeah. <laughs> that is welded onto his right breastplate that nice. just has in initials D dot I dot Z dot Z dot Y. Dizzy. Um, Thank you. Just yeah. <laughs> he, he did say Dizzy no yeah he did the character is called Dizzy it is um, as this happens Dizzy's eyes that are glowing kind of amber go dark red and he just charges and floors Torvik as you watch oh, this contract just slam into him Torvik again you hear the crunch of his bone as he takes another blow to the face and you watch him just slam oh. into the ground oh shit you watch as as uh, Dizzy leans forward and gets his face right up in front of Torvik's face and you just hear this very weird kind of mechanic version of Dusty's voice. Dusty being the half-orc. Um, Do you yield? And Torvik just collapses. Faints. As this happens, Dizzy turns looks towards you, points a finger, and Do you yield? Yes. And he just very animatronically, very uh, hydraulic <laughs> controlled, walks back into the, into the corner of the room and sits down in this little wooden chair next to a table which has a book of fairy tales <laughs> next to it and a jug of water. And he just sits and puts his hands uh, folded in his, in his lap and looks towards uh, Dusty, the half-orc, who gets up and starts to kind of shake, uh, stretching off, and looks towards uh, Torvik, well, you're a stupid bitch, aren't you? Um, I do, depo- do apologise for my uh, my uh, friend's attitude, but it does I, I not think appear. think friend did the right thing. I would most appreciate if you would... Uh, Leave now and sure. report that nothing is wrong to your superiors. Are you okay? Do you need help or healing or? I'm fine. I've taken a blade before. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And he, uh, as he kind of offers his hand out he, he, to shake yours, he, uh, I do apologise. I've not formally introduced myself. My name is Dusty Molson. Ian. And shake your hand. Yes. Uh, make a history check for me. Uh, 21. Dusty Molson is a highwayman oh. of famed renown. Um, I know who you are. <laughs> he uh, he used to live uh, up north in Nightglade uh, and in the Darkwood uh, and was a quite villainous um, highwayman who then turned uh, to uh, turned his uh, crimes to good when he started to uh, deal with... Uh, 
certain problems yeah, no, over the last few years and then disappeared off the face of the earth <gasps> after uh, a bank heist that went no. wrong. Oh, okay. Um, wow. Okay. I suggest you take your boy there and leave. I'll take him. Um, what, what are you going to do? I'm going to continue to work on Dizzy here. Are you staying in the area? I'm home, so yeah. <sighs> Can I help? Help how? Learn about it. Learn about what? Making stuff. I can't teach you how to make things, but um... Your lad there seemed to be a little, uh... Aggressive. Are you sure you're meant to be the paladins from? Yeah, um, we're both on the the, the pacifism path. He doesn't <laughs> want to be on the pacifism path. He's already doing quite powerful <laughs> spells that mean he's a bit more stronger than a yeah, paladin should. Yeah, he's supposed to be taking his his pacifism oath really soon. Um, I don't think he should be. What would you do with him? Probably jail. He did. He got a. He got a weapon out of nowhere that he's obviously skilled in using, but he shouldn't have. And he's he's pretty much confessed that he doesn't believe in the pacifism way, and he was forced into it by someone else. So I don't trust him. Also, I've seen him attack somebody who wasn't attacking him. Well, it's up to you what you do next. Um, I'll be here fixing up Dizzy. <laughs> He's still got a little bit more to do. Maybe I'll send him on a field test at some point. <laughs> okay. I'll take Torvik back. I'll go over to him and just like drag him. Why are you dragging by his arm? He's a dead of, weight. Yeah, yeah, he's a bag of spuds right now. He's completely yeah. knocked out. Um, I'll try lifting him and then realise, because we're fairly similar in size and yeah. stuff, I can't. So I'm just going to drag him very unceremoniously by his ankle. That's fine. Uh, are you taken back? Yes. Do you basically report him to the authority has? Yes. Okay, so you report him to the authorities. Um, he is not even given a trial. He is jailed um, and you are offered in response to this uh, his uh, his his oath well, I'm not ready to take my oath you have proven you're that well of, 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 of an oath already uh, sure you'll need to learn a little bit more we'll, we'll have to uh, increase your training for a couple of months but then okay. once you've caught back up you'll be able to you don't want to be a, a paladin of pacifism, or yeah, you've been training for so long. Yeah, I, I do. You sure, you want? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, do you want to go check on that um, that chappy? Uh, make sure he's okay. all right, and uh, once we've we've got all that all back, you can come back and um, okay, make sure that. You're, uh, you're, you're ready to go, I guess. We'll sign okay. up the, the whole oath thing and we'll... Uh... I will. Thank you. So, 
Um, you uh, head off back again into the into the tree line for yes. another day on the forty third. Um, you uh, you've rested up uh, and then had this conversation with Whalebone, uh, and as he has said, he's off. He's very happy for you to essentially uh, take your oath once you've gone and checked off with this guy mm-hmm. to make sure he's okay. You're not going to be because obviously in a mechanics way you need to be level three to take the oath. Yes. You're basically going to be fast-tracked. You With uh, the prologues, you're levelling up to level two. So you're going to be fast-tracked and then have to essentially earn your oath's abilities, but you'll be signed off as an oath of, uh, uh, of uh, pacifism when you come back. Yeah. So you head out, head back to the cabin, and uh, rather than meeting him inside, you find uh, early this morning on the 43rd um, that... Uh, Dusty is currently walking around, uh, sh- basically shining and polishing the edges of Dizzy as he stands prim and proper in his full cowboy attire. He has this uh, leather um, like trench coat that has been put over him to cover his body so he doesn't show off too much. He's a huge construct, <laughs> but he's still quite obviously a construct. From- so he's very tall. He's basically been tr- he's been dressed in a way that if he was a human he'd look exactly like he'd dressed like dusty so he's yeah. got the plaid shirt the waistcoat yeah. the trench coat the hat is metal on his head yeah. um so the head and the the, the bits that are showing is giving away but he's been dressed up um and um you can see that every now and then as he walks around dusty's wincing as he raises his arm to do things and then stops and takes a moment and then dizzy kind of pats him on the shoulder in a very gentle giant kind oh. of way um as you come into the clearing, ah, do declare, <laughs> we are, we have a visitor, Mr. Dizzy. How will we meet you again, Mr. Ian? How are you? Good, thank you. And you? Ah, yeah, a little sore, but um, I'm thinking I'm going to go for a walk, I think, with my, my fine companion here. And he okay. looks up towards uh, Dizzy. How did it go with your uh, amiable friend? <laughs> uh, they asked me if I wanted to take the pacifism oath. And do you? I think so. I've been studying for it. Lad, think so isn't a, a, a time to be making. This is something that's going to affect you for the rest of your life. Um, think so is not the operative term that I should be hearing. Well, I'm not good at the other stuff. And I've been training for this, so I don't even know where I'd start with the other ones. Okay. Ignore everything you've ever been trained to do. Ignore everything that you have ever wanted to do. And now close your eyes. And then you hear the sound of eyelids being closed as a mechanical eyelids close as well. <laughs> he's doing it too, isn't he? Yes, he's very, very stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. <laughs> and you just say, cheers, boss. <laughs> um... <laughs> What do you see yourself doing in ten years' time? What What is the Ian of ten years' time doing? Fighting for other people's rights. Fighting for other people. Now that's the problem. Fighting. How do you, How do you see yourself fighting? Do you see yourself with words? Do you see yourself with a blade? With words to start with, and with a blade if necessary. Uh, as that last moment uh, as he was saying uh, he he winces again Uh, this time he's not been polishing dizzy obviously because he's just been stood talking to you but again he winces and 
this time staggers and drops a little bit. And Dizzy leans forward and catches him. And uh, kind of guides him over to a seat on the outside of the of the, uh, of, of the cabin. And he kind of wearily smiles and goes, You know, uh, I, I haven't had to deal with this much uh, since I was a lad. Um, and this is why I was making this hunk of bolts and wood. <laughs> but I may not be the one who's going to be able to train him in knowing what's right and wrong. How do you train him? Well, he just needs to learn what's right and what's wrong by going out and being told when not to do... You know, yesterday when you came here and your friend Torvik decided to uh, be quite aggressive, you told him to stop. Aye. And the difference between me telling Dizzy to stop and you telling Torvik to stop was that Dizzy listened and has now learned not to attack when he's been told not to... He's autonomous, he can, uh, he's sentient. And Dizzy just kind of gestures with his hat <laughs> as a bow and... I'll gesture back, but I don't have a hat. As I was saying, lad, you're going to need to decide what you want to do. You don't seem to understand that people seem to have been pointing you in the direction they want you to do. You, you think you want to be a pacifist paladin, but... It's a very large acceptance to take on, I think so. Don't get me wrong. If that's what you want to do, you go out there and you be the best paladin you can be. But if you want to be something else, then... I don't know what else. Well, maybe the first step is just going out and putting the question into the world what else can I be how do I do that I mean there's an airship leaving Torren today to get to uh, Hailstorm's Rest Hailstorm's Rest yeah so maybe going to do the Caradoon thing Caradoon Caradoon but then you're probably uh, being someone who hasn't been able to and there's a moment where both Dizzy and Dusty look at each other, they look back to you, look back at each other. And there's an imperceptible nod for a moment. Dizzy kind of turns to Dizzy and goes, I'm not going to be able to take him out into the forest and get him to do things. You're going to ask me to, aren't you? No, I'm asking you to, um, you know, make sure he doesn't go hurting anyone that he shouldn't be. And he gets up uh, using his greatsword as a walking stick okay. now. Uh, walks over towards Dusty and places the 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 pommel and the hilt and such the the handle into Dusty into Dizzy's hand, and Dizzy just looks at him and looks back at her back at the sword and looks to you. Uh, Dusty kind of limps back over now, looking a lot older than he already did. Oh my god! Even though he's an old half orc who has grey hair and is definitely not going to be played by like Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson in the film. <laughs> <laughs> He is, though! <laughs> but yes, um, he, uh, he sits back down and takes a moment and he puts his finger in his thumb in an owl and into both, into an owl, puts like a picture look at the two of you. Well, oh, that's a fan look right there. 
the paladin and its automaton bodyguard. <laughs> Fine. Seeing as you've passed the sword on, I don't think I have much choice, do I? Well, he can go out into the forest and just wait for me to be a bit better, but uh, if you're going to go off and fatten yourself, you might as well have a help. And there's a minute when Dizzy and I look at each other, and then look back, and then look at each other again, and then look back. All right, then. Dizzy? Dizzy takes a moment, sheaves the sword on his back. Uh, it just sticks magnetically to his back um, in placement. Uh, and he walks over and places his hand onto Dusty's shoulder. And you just hear gently, um, uh, under the, like, the gentle breeze, just, get better. And he then rears back up to his full seven foot something height. <laughs> Turns round to you and looks down at you and goes, Where do we go, boss? We're gonna go find ourselves. Found you. <laughs> Found you too. Ready for an adventure? No. Not me neither. And with that, he just starts walking. Okay. Just, just off, just sidebar. Do you know what Dusty's HP is? Or what he's lost? Uh, Dusty's HP um, would have... He's basically... Because he's had a long rest between the evening. Mm. Um, he would only have lost about six or seven hit points. But he had about 15. Okay. So he's about a third of the health. I will go over to him um, and put my hand on him. And do uh, laying on of hands to heal him back up. Five HP. Yes. I was, yeah, as you do it, he kind of whispers to you, I was kind of putting it on so the big guy could have his own adventure too, if I'm honest with you. But you're still hurt a little bit. Yeah, it it's kind of like one of those awkward aches that I'm just going to have to sleep off over a couple of days, but... Well, hopefully yeah. this helps. Um, and yeah, you... Uh, and then I'll nod at him. Nod, he nods. And then I'll rush off after Dizzy, who's already gone the wrong way through the forest. Yep, <laughs> Dizzy, Dizzy! Dizzy! Um, and you then after taking your now automaton bodyguard as the guy who will be the paladin is normally like the meat shield as well I know I wanted to take them both I mean you could only have one I know uh, <laughs> stop being greedy <laughs> I've already recorded this once with one ending <laughs> anyway um, you head off back to get your stuff from Torrin you get the airship out which drops you off in Elstone's Rest and although you've been in a city before it is very discombobulating as you arrive in this very aggressive almost New York fashion city as everyone bustles around and they're very friendly and <laughs> lively um, they're very friendly and lively but they're also quite like tunnel vision and having around doing their own things Okay. and there are carts loaded up on the outskirts who are heading out with other people you see a couple of uh, familiar looking uh, kind of like names of heroes that you might have heard of in stories and newspapers uh, all getting onto these wagons heading out towards Carradine Hall which is where we will be picking up campaign 2 Operation Red Star ah! in three weeks time 
keep thinking you're calling it Operation Red Star as a joke title, like Campaign 2. No, it's... Then it, I forgot that was actually what it's called. It's, it's called Operation Red Star. Um, without spoiling things, it is based off certain... Red Star. Uh, it's based off a, a song or a, yeah, pe- a piece of is, music. Um, for those that know, you know, you know. <laughs> but I will, uh, I'll leave this ominous uh, reference for people to pick up where they can. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, so don't, don't rush the explanation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I didn't realise that we're going to have to do a second prologue for your character after Ian dies from that. Yeah. I'm joking. Um, but yes, uh, that has been that has been Ian's. Yeah, if you don't want to play Ian, you can just have Dizzy. If Ian well. ever dies, instead of making another character, I'll just I'll just play Dizzy because he'll st- he can still stay. <laughs> and it depends. Does Dizzy want to stay with you lot? I don't know. He might not oh. like the other two. Ian might not like the other two. Speaking of the other two, thank you very much for listening to this prologue. Thank you for um, playing this th- prologue. Thank you. Um, as you may have already worked out, um, you have only been hearing uh, Emma play her character. Ian! Ian! And we've met Ian, one of the three characters uh, that will be playing Campaign 2, or at least starting Campaign 2. I won't promise they'll be finishing it together. Because, <laughs> you know, that would be rude. Um, but uh, he won't die in episode one. Next week, um, we will be meeting Liam's character. Yes. I've had quite exciting chats with uh, Liam about what he's going to be playing, uh, but I won't uh, spoil that till next week. You can oh. work out that next week. Oh. And then we have our delightful Ms. Jade, who will be rounding off the free prologues um, which will cover most of September and then at the end of September that last week if all things go to plan touch wood knock on head and stuff like that we will hopefully be picking up campaign 2 Operation Red Star Operation Red Star Boogaloo episode 1 The Phantom Menace <laughs> it's not that no dude where's my cow uh, <laughs> but yes um, yeah thank you very much okay. for listening thank you for playing Kev. thank you for playing um Check out all the exciting things on our usual Twitters, Facebooks, Instagrams, all that shite that people follow. Um, We will see you next week for uh, Liam's prologue and more excitement. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Bye.